Hello everybody and welcome to my podcast. This is the first episode of 2021. New year, new adventure. Music to live for with Shanti, it's me, Shanti, a Swiss musicologist and stage manager, talking with different artists and discussing different topics belonging to the music business. The Italian songwriter Gab de la Vega will be my first guest for this year, and together we will discuss his career, language, self-production and epidemic record. So let's go! Check this out! Hello everybody, welcome to this episode, first episode of the year, I'm so happy, uh, this is an adventure that I really, really enjoy, and today I'm here with Gab de la Vega, hi Gab, how are you doing? Hi Shanti, all good here, what about you? Oh, I'm fine, definitely, and uh, I remember I met you in person four years ago, something like this in Zurich, and after that, we, we, we kept in contact online, uh, thank you, social medias and everything, and, but I had definitely a good remember of that evening, it was definitely a nice concert, and I, I, I was really happy to, to keep in track on what you did in this last four years, producing your own music and your project, that was uh, just amazing. I'm so happy that you're here in this episode. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself so the audience will know more about who is my guest today. Okay, so thank you for having me here. Uh, of course, this is the first time I'm part of an actual podcast, so uh, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I know it's different from a regular uh, interview or something like that, but uh, this is the first time for me. I'm very happy to be your guest. I'm Gab de la Vega. I was born in Brescia, Italy, uh, 35, let's say 36 years ago, almost. And uh, I am a musician. Um, I, I, st I started playing hardcore and punk rock when I was a kid. And uh, since 2011, I started playing solo as Capella Vega. And uh, it almost started as, uh, you know, like something that wasn't meant to be uh, a specific project. It was just like some something that I really wanted to do to express myself through music. And it was, of course, very personal because it was a solo project. But after a while, I started taking uh, speed. And uh, now, after almost 10 years, we're here with three records and uh, two or three singles, something like that, and multiple tours uh, all across Europe, and North America, and South America. And I really hope this comes back at some point because I really miss touring. But uh, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. And apart from that, I run this label called Epidemic Records. Uh, which is mainly focused on hardcore and punk rock and underground music. And uh, it's kept a company for uh, uh, at least like 15 years now. I started doing it for uh, like to put out my own records when I had uh, my first band in 2004, 2005, around that time. And yeah, apart from that, I, I don't know, I teach English. Uh, I have two English uh, courses and uh, some private classes here and there, conversation classes, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, definitely interesting. Like uh, a whole career, a, a lot of passion. I love it. 
Definitely. I mean, this idea of going solo, I think is always interesting because in the last year I've been a lot influenced by uh, songwriters like Frank Turner, Nathan Gray. I mean, Nathan Gray from uh, Boy Sets Fire. Boy Sets Fire, yeah. And, I, and of course, not to forget one of my favorite uh, lead singer of Hot Water Music, Chuck Regan. Yeah, and I always thought it was really uh, interesting to uh, see the singer, the songwriter, the musician playing, um, of course, punk rock, rock music. I mean, fast, sometimes heavy. And then, like, see how they could put their, their ideas um, on another level, on another yeah. kind of music. And as you said, it's something personal. And I think this is... This is really interesting because you, you, you can see it in, in the lyrics, uh, in the way to play or they sing. And um, it shows a lot about an artist, I think, this idea to do not be scared to show yourself uh, in different uh, colors, facades, yeah. or, and doing music. I, I think definitely interesting also because uh, we both are... Um, grow up uh, in Italy. I mean, I grew up in the south of Switzerland, but this was like being in Italy. So we yeah. <laughs> grow up with a, with a huge tradition of Italian songwriters. And, and my first question goes in that direction. Is this something that influenced also your decision or also, or also your style? I mean, um, uh, you, can, you, can you recall some approach to to the music we, we were used to listen to, maybe with our parents or at the radio? Well, uh, my, my mother was a, a huge Beatles fan. And uh, I remember growing up, listening to the Beatles. And um, even my sister, my older sister, she started, uh, she had a, her first approaches to music, thanks to the Beatles. So I remember she also was trying to learn English by translating the Beatles lyrics, uh, which is something that I actually done uh, after a few years, uh, a few years later. And uh, as far as it, uh, concerns the Italian musicians, uh, I think, I, I can't recall my mother, she, she liked Luigi Tenco very much, and which is a great, great Italian songwriter. Uh, with a very unfortunate story, I'm not sure if you know it, but it basically was to cut it short, was rejected uh, at the Festival di Sanremo, which is a main um, Italian uh, event uh, yes. about music, and uh, he, he killed himself. Um, of course, not because of that, but mainly, but because uh, of many reasons. And at some point, it, that was just the, the last drop, the final drop, and then decided to quit uh, that way. Um, and uh, but I don't really remember listening to Italian uh, traditional Italian music very often when I was a kid. Of course, it was always around because everywhere you went, uh, you could listen to it. Uh, but I remember that my my very first passion was uh, the Beatles. And uh, when I started listening to punk rock, well, of course, all the the main influences were uh, American bands or British bands. And uh, then I started listening to music that was uh, was in English. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe I really wanted to mock that way to, to write lyrics and to sing. So I decided to go that way instead of uh, singing in Italian. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a huge tradition of Italian songwriters that one way or another, willingly or not, uh, definitely got me uh, 
gave me like some sort of influence uh, for for some reason definitely um but you know uh, i've never to be honest i've never written uh, lyrics uh, song lyrics in italian which is weird maybe i don't know maybe in the future i might try to do that but for now i don't really feel the urge uh so i don't know i'm not sure if i answered your question <laughs> no, no that that was interesting because um i can't I can only agree about the fact uh, about this idea of almost mocking the, the 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 punk rock scene or the music we're listening to. Because uh, if I talk for my if I can talk for myself, I also uh, never brought music in Italian. That's mm. kind of strange. I, I used to play the drum in a um, in a punk band from the south side, and we were singing in the local dialect. And, really? Uh, but but this was the only uh, the only um, I would say connection maybe with direct with Italian uh, with Italian speaking music. But I, I always thought that English was kind of nice melodic and it fits good in my mind. If it seems yeah. right to be like, but of course directly because of the influence of the music I was listening to at the time. But at the same time, I cannot deny that um, songwriter like um, De Andre, Fabrizio mm-hmm. De Andre, the biggest name. Um, I remember my mother also was listening to some some CDs of him, and uh, some lyrics just stayed in my mind, just just like. And while writing in English, sometimes I was also like um, going back. And remembering, oh, he was singing about that situation, emotional situation like this. And it was kind of inspiring, not just copy and paste, but say, oh, this is the direction I would like to write my lyrics and everything. So so I think that um, um, it's interesting because, yeah, me too. Uh, I, I, I can't say that I have this, this direct um, influence, but yeah, there is something that, that comes over from that side. There are, there are definitely different ways to write lyrics, if you think of it. Like Italian is uh, mostly vowel-driven as a language. Uh, vowels are more important than, uh, than they are in the English language, for example. So, for example, if you think, like, as an Italian would pronounce, uh, this is the linguistic nerd uh, speaking. <laughs> uh, but if you think, like, an Italian word, for example, uh, I don't know. Let's take the the the, the word London, okay, the city. Yes. Um, the Italians tend to say London, so they tend to to give uh, the same volume almost on both vowels, even if one has a as a stressed vowel, for example, because it's London, okay. But the 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 English speaking person wouldn't say that; it would say London. So law has more volume than the following vowels. But for the Italians, the two vowels almost have the same level of volume, which makes gives you the, the idea of how important volume on vowels is in Italian language. So it is a different way to write lyrics for sure. And to sing, of course, and to speak. Mm-hmm. And so this is also from where it comes to your interest for, uh, for the angry English uh, language. Uh, well, I am... Um, when I was a kid, it wasn't mandatory. It wasn't mandatory to, to, to learn English when you were a kid. You, you could start learning, uh, studying English when you were around uh, 10 or 11 at middle school, which I think it's, it's very late. So nowadays, they, did, they tend to start earlier. Possibly in kindergarten, they have to first approach to, to another language, which, which is great. But back then, it wasn't mandatory. But I remember 
that uh, my mother wanted me wanted me to to learn another language when I was a kid. So there were just separate courses, uh, which were in the afternoon, a couple of weeks times a week, and uh, I went there and I loved it. And I remember that the first time that I met my Canadian cousins, uh, I think it was 1992, so it must have been like six or seven. I remember that I really wanted to, to communicate with them, and uh, so that really pushed me to, to start uh, taking English uh, more uh, seriously as a language. And then, of course, with music, that helped me a lot because I really wanted to understand the lyrics and the songs and uh, later movies, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the story, I, I graduated in uh, foreign languages and cultures at the University of Verona in 2013. Mm-hmm. So I, I speak English or write in English uh, on a daily basis nowadays. For one reason or another. Yeah. Oh, that's that's also so interesting because um, I guess I already talk about that in another episode. Uh, is the fact that uh, in Switzerland we learn at school two languages. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, speaking from my case, uh, I was in the Italian. I grew up in the Italian part, so uh, you learn French and German. You mm-hmm. got off both. And then you, you need to choose one of, of the two. And then you got English as extra as you can choose Spanish and, you know, Spanish. And, you know, you can, you, yeah, I guess the new, the new system also changed because I'm talking about like almost 12 years ago. But yeah, yeah. It, the fact is that you have the chance to, to try to know a little bit more. And this is so... Um, mind-blowing if you think because when you're young maybe you say oh I'm bored at school I need to learn French but then growing up going going maybe study but also not just university even for your work and everything you you, you even if you move in in the country Switzerland, a small country if you move on the on the territory you see that oh maybe I need to know a little bit of that and that of course nowadays you can work here in Basel or Zurich just knowing English but yeah. In my mind, there was this, there was be this idea that oh, that's a little bit sad if I just go in a place without learning something new. Um, yeah. Just a little bit, you know. There is not this ex- expectation that you have to know everything good. Like uh, when I speak German, you you understand hundred percent that I'm mother tongue Italian because you are yeah. like the accent and everything. But people, but the, the accent, you, and they are well, really happy about that, you know. Yeah, but the accent is part of who you are. Like, uh, I grew up thinking, when I was younger, I remember saying, oh, I'll never get rid of this accent. Like, I, I was born in Italy, so my phonetics was... Like, for example, if you think of that, uh, the Italian language has seven phonetic sounds, um, uh, phonemes for, uh, um, for the vowels. So you have A, E, E, I, O, Oh, ooh, so it's seven for five vowels. English language, that has 20, 20 of that. So, of course, you have to approximate when you come to get to a, like a sound that doesn't exist in your language, and that creates a, a, an accent. And it's very hard to get rid of that, and, or to mock another accent, for example. And I grew up thinking, you know, this is, I'll never get rid of this. And at some point, I realized that that's part of who you are. So, if you go, like, if you were born in the south of Switzerland, and then you go to Bern or Zurich, um, and they understand that you're from a different place. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's actually a good thing. As, uh, everyone, they, they bring a piece of 
the place they were born with themselves. That's an interesting uh, point because um, uh, when I was uh, in high school, uh, I had the chance to change totally kind of music and I played for a friend as a drummer uh, for a pop uh, project. And I was yeah. so happy because it was something different and yeah. it was also uh, the energy was there. You know, the guy was singing us in a, in a melodic way that I really love it. Shout out to Luis Landrini because uh, he's still in, uh, working on his own project and everything. And um, at that time, we received a lot of critics because um, he wasn't spelling right some words and everything so oh you try to reach some audience but your uh, your english not good enough and everything but if you listen to the record at the time it was sounding good it was okay i mean to Is me it wasn't like i mean it, i was uh, we were all conscious about that but yeah. we we never thought that it could be like so interpreted like this from other people. Maybe it was also people that were kind of jealous, you know, like there's always of somebody course, who's gonna say these comments just to try to demotivate you or to Yeah, you know, like in if the you end it was it, a good experience, you know, like if you think of it, like think of Manu Chao, for example. It was very, very popular, it's still very popular. And I think he speaks like six or seven languages. I'm, don't, I'm not sure, but he definitely speaks more than two languages. And uh, I remember his songs when I was a teenager. And I remember his English was kind of bad, if you think from that perspective. He had a very strong accent. His pronunciation was not uh, always perfect uh, on, on many levels. But that didn't really stop him from making uh, very successful music. And... You know, of course, you can work on it. Like you can always try to to make it better, to mitigate your accent if you think it's you need to mitigate that. But on the other hand, it's it's who you are. Like if the music's good, lyrics good, and you sing well, then who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are, art art is in general it's like it's so it, it's so full of colors. Music is full yeah. of colors, and I think it's always something positive also to show that and um i i, I honestly i really love and enjoy french music because yeah. i think that's french is definitely a uh, wonderful languages when mm -hmm. is saying when somebody sing it and everything and um most of the bands i love most are from france and but um also discovering other languages like when you go in asia you you see there is also this this oh, what's the name of this pop music is so it's like boy band k-pop k-pop yeah, thank you very yeah much. korean pop yeah and it, it, it's kind of strange you know that's the kind of way to sing and, and everything and 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 you notice that oh, this is a language that normally I, I wouldn't recognize any words because you, you can hear how it sounds but you don't know which word the meaning directly or you can recognize directly a meaning but it, all the it's interesting to see how all over the world um, every language is find its way to fit into music. Definitely, I'm, I'm thinking like um, I'm doing this thing now. Uh, now we cannot play any shows. I'm interviewing friends of mine via, uh, via Instagram. Okay, every like recently once a week, uh, uh, I have this one hour live stream interviews with friends of mine and musicians that I met along the road. And last week I interviewed a friend from, uh, she's originally from Wales. Yeah, uh, I saw it, I saw it, yeah. 
okay, Eva Supertramp, Eva Supertramp, she, she sings both in English and Welsh. And Welsh is a minority language. And it doesn't sound like anything I've heard before. It was the first time I heard that. It was like, wow, what, what is that? And I was trying to make out the words when she was singing. And I couldn't because there is no word that sounds remotely close to anything I know in any other three languages I speak. And <laughs> that was very interesting. It gives you like, as a listener, it gives you a perspective that there's something different, especially nowadays where everything tends to be um, like, um, it, it tends to be very flat, let's say. Let's yeah, say they're, they're looking for the standard, you know, like exactly standardized. You catch in that way, so you 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 are sure of your product, right? Yeah, exactly. But then again, as from a perspective as a singer that sings in her, her native uh, language, uh, Welsh in this case, uh, Eva's case, uh, it gives you the chance to communicate with a with a part of yourself, which is your language, and to give something. You know, that is very personal to the people that listen to you. And I really encourage people to listen to Eva Supertramp because she, she sings in both languages. It's very interesting. And I, as I told her last last weekend in an interview, I kind of feel guilty because I don't sing in Italian. So I like preaching uh, this thing right now, right now, but I'm not doing it. But as she pointed out, Italian is not an endangered language. It's not a minority language. So I can also afford singing in another language for now, unless Italian gets uh, endangered at some point. <laughs> yes, yeah, I get you, get you, get. So let's go back to your own project. What can you say? How this? Can you? Can we go back to the origin and then talk a little bit about the history until right now? How is something that nowadays are you feeling? Oh, this is I'm Gab de la Vega, and this is my sound, or is something that you think is still evolving? Uh, well, I, it started kind of as a joke, like uh, a friend of mine was touring from the United States. His name he used to tour as a, a true nature. Uh, his name is Keegan Kuhn. Now he's a quite a successful uh, documentary director. He directed uh, Cowspiracy, What the Health, um, and many others. And uh, he was touring with his solo project. And he has also has a hardcore punk background, just like I do. And uh, it was at my place and he listened to a... I, a song that I wrote on my acoustic guitar and say, well, this is good. You should play shows, you know, and you know what, like next time I'll be around, you're going to open for a, for my show. Okay. So a couple of years have passed and, uh, uh, it was back to Italy and they said, okay, let's, uh, let's do this, but you have to, to play. So I decided to get all my five or six songs, plus some covers and get on stage and play a show. And it was very interesting. It was fun. And I realized that I really liked it. So I started playing solo shows. And uh, that year, I also left on tour with Wales Island from, from Palermo and uh, as a driver. But I asked all the promoters if I could play a short set before their, uh, prior to their set. And uh, that happened. So I had my first tour. And the, the following year, uh, I was asked to, to give a song for a compilation. But I didn't have any recording, so I recorded two tracks. One was Death on the Shelf and the other was a Bad Religion cover. And I put out a first seven inch and I toured it again. And in the following year, another record with my songs. And I toured and I toured and I toured. And 2015, put out a new record and uh, I kept touring and I couldn't stop. I just loved going uh, around, playing music, playing my own songs, meeting people and, uh, you know, connecting thanks to music. That's something I really like. Um, to fast forward to, to, Today, well, I put out 7-inch 2017, and I 
went to United States and Canada on tour. Um, and what happened next? Uh, 2018, uh, I toured again. <laughs> I, I just I toured a lot. That's that's all I remember now. And last year I, I came out with a new record, and actually came out this year in 20 well 2021 2020. Sorry, um, it's called Beyond Space and Time. And after a month it was out, we I couldn't play shows anymore because of pandemic. Um, that's it. That's it. I guess <laughs> I know it sounded really confusing. So if you want to point out any question, <laughs> just go. Well, of course, we we need to discuss about touring because this yeah. is something that I noticed also in classical music. I got a, I got a lot of guests, a lot of friends that um, when they told me about their own experience, they they said, "Oh, you know, I was in this young orchestra, orchestra of that and that, and and we used to tour. We went to Japan, we went to USA, went to Asia." I get, Okay, Japanese in Asia, but I mean, yeah. um, but Asia is very, very. They, big. they, they really, they really uh, had the chance to tour around the world, and even if you're there, not like as a tourist, you know, you go there, you you play, you know the rhythm how we did. You you go there, you travel. Uh, maybe you got a rehearsal, and then you got a concert. Take some hour for eat something, sleep, and then next day, next stop. So um, yeah. even if it was this idea of always being on the road, uh, of course they had the chance to see um, to, to see the world. And this happened yeah. to me like while I was at the university, I, I never had the chance uh, to really travel much because of time and money. But then when I started touring two years ago, I like uh, in two weeks, I just tour almost uh, all Europe. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's like there is not a, the right moment maybe to do that and you know, say, oh, you have to do when you're 20 like this. But uh, um, I think in the end, it's incredible how music can give you this opportunity to, I mean, music in our case, because it is... Is anybody listening is also another kind of artist. I mean, they also have the chance to to show pictures or all over Europe and also having this kind of touring uh, thanks to uh, arts. But for yeah. musicians, okay, this is incredible because I never thought I would be in Sweden, Denmark, England, uh, and everything in like, almost like 10 days and then go through Germany, Europe, go back here in Switzerland and again, Germany, and then back to Denmark. That was, that was just, just great. And so you, you said you, you went to the US and Canada. Um, yeah, what is the reality there? I mean, there is, did you notice some difference of appreciation of your music or um, in between Europe and, and, and the US, for example? Well, it's definitely different. Um, I remember, Right before leaving for that tour, and I was uh, left on tour with my friend Greg Rickus from Winnipeg, Canada at that time. Uh, great, great guy, great musician. Um, and I remember that I was thinking, I'm going to the United States where they basically invented like 90% of everything that influenced my music. And uh, I sing in their language and uh, I'm not from there. And I wonder what they will think of my music. I was actually generally wondering and I was a little bit worried that oh, maybe they, they won't like me but when it got there like people were so enthusiastic about the fact that I was traveling to the other side of the world to play my own music in English to, to, to them for for them and uh, they they everyone was very very supportive 
I think that they know that the DIY musicians or small musicians, they don't really make a lot of money when they're on tour. Mm -hmm. So people, they, they approach the merch table every night. And it, like, for example, if it was the total amount was, uh, let's say, 25 bucks, uh, they would give you 30 and say, oh, make, make it 30. They want you to, to chip in to help you out on the, on the road. And um, I, I, I don't want to say that like Europe is not supportive. Uh, in fact, I love touring Europe. I love both experiences. They're definitely different games in many, many terms. But uh, it, it's, it's kind of weird. Like uh, distances are longer. Some things are different and some things are very similar. Uh, even Canada, like distances, of course, are massive over there. And uh, I went there twice. Uh, last year, I toured, uh, in 2019, I toured uh, by myself uh, between Ontario and, and Quebec. And <laughs> I remember driving very long distances. Um, but everyone was very supportive, especially the fact that I was not from, I wasn't from, from, from there. I was from the other side of the world. And we're like, oh, you, you're from Italy. This is great. Uh, I, I like your songs. Uh, wow, you come here and you play your music for, for us here. And I thought, well, this is, I don't know, like Boston or Ottawa or uh, different cities that I always dreamed of playing in when I was growing up. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that uh, also connects to the, to the first part of our conversation about, you know, uh, not hiding who you are, like, Lots of people that play uh, and sing in English, um, at some point they started thinking, well, I need to hide and pretend that I'm not from around here. Uh, but I always found that uh, being an Italian-born musician always uh, kind of trademarked the music that I made. Um, everyone is well aware that I'm not American or British. Uh, and. And, and, and they treasured that thing. Every time I, I go there as an Italian or musician, they treasured, treasured that. And uh, yeah, again, uh, it's about, it's all about connecting people in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the most wonderful thing that uh, so happened to me working in, also in classical music and modern music. Um, because you see that the, the whole thing that is the music scene, it's made from, from this person from personalities, ideas, and yep. there is this point, uh, I mean, there's this topic that I don't know if it's something um, that belongs to the new era of communication and social media, um, because it seems to me that when online everybody follows everybody and everything, mm -hmm. um, likes to music videos, like comments on music videos, and uh, that means also supporting the artist or showing that you should care about it. But then it happens to me um, to be in a concert here in Switzerland. And um, the, the lead singer or one of the, this metal band, I guess it was the Spice Icon, um, doing their comeback show like two years ago. And like I was there because I, I met him uh, on another tour when he was with Over the Brave there. And um, definitely in February, nice guy, somebody where you can approach and you can talk the whole evening if you want. And um, at that evening, I was so uh, impressed to see, to notice that me and then another guy just approached him at the merch table. 
and the other people just walking around like nobody cares. You know, they want you. You have the chance to talk to somebody that this is the guy is singing in that records that you listen to in your iPhone and your car, and he's there. Uh, it happened also when I met the guys from Malevolence. Um, I remember uh, like uh, uh, during the day I was at work and I said, oh, tonight I'm going to be at the concert. And they posted on Instagram, we are on the way, you know, showing the, the Swiss landscape. And I, I just texted like, hey, cool, see you tonight. And the guy answered me, yeah, like, we can wait. And, and I remember uh, going to the, the concert hall. Uh, walking through the merch and everything uh, and i saw the guy of, uh, of the merch uh, from malevolence and the guy looked at me and say hey i, I recognize you from your nice. account you know and this was, was was cool you know because uh if you the guys the band was already playing uh, on the stage and yeah they got this tough guy attitude you know the music mm-hmm. was kind of groovy heavy yeah, down everything but it, it was interesting because the the team around was so positive. No, they want just, we are here to have fun, to share this fun with you. And this sometimes makes me a little bit, um, I don't know, I won't say sad, but it makes me think, you know, like, because to me, uh, all right, I can remember my first concert when I was 18. And it was the idea, oh my God, I had the chance to talk to those people, you know? Uh, yeah. So there is not these instances between it is a record, it's a voice, it's just, it's just music, but it's there. I can talk to him. I can say, also say, just say hi, you know, the fact that it's real. Um, I, can, I can tell you about two uh, situations that uh, make me always laugh. It was, I've always been a huge fan of the soundtracks of the movie Amélie Poulain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. Is it is in the English name title of the movie? Is it the it, French movie? The French movie, yeah. Yeah, I the think the Italian, Italian title. Italian title is a favoloso, favoloso mondo di Amelie. Yeah, I exactly think. that one. And the music is well known all over the world. Jan Tiersen did an amazing job, and I always said, ah, you know, I like him. I like the sound. I love this kind of melancholy, but also. I don't know, he's Paris, he's, he's France, and you can connect about that. And mm-hmm. and um, and then I started working in Zurich, and with my boss, we were looking at the calendar of concert, and like, I see, oh my God, Jan Tiers is going to come play here, and I'm going to work at the concert, you know, like, and I nice. saw him, I saw him on stage, and, and it was so impressive, because you see, he's playing this music that um, it's like... Um, repeating some patterns and everything and and when you see this artist on stage when you see his person when you see the way he's acting the way you, you then you understand why the music sounds like that yeah this is so this is uh what does it mean also relate to the music you like the you I think this is so important. Is in this case was Jan Tiersen. It was in in between modern and classical music. I also had mm-hmm. the chance to meet uh, um, classical musician that I always read on the newspaper and everything. I saw that oh, they were there, and then they say hi, hi. I'm in there. there I know who you are <laughs> because everybody talk about you. You know, like and, yeah. <laughs> but the 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 funniest things that happened to me was uh, traveling from Zurich to Basel. And I remember that day, the train was so full that I say, you know, I'm going to pay the extra and going to travel first class. 
So mm-hmm. I was there. So Zurich to Basel, there's a lot of managers going. So I got there. It was like band. Sh- I, 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 it was summer. So I was wearing a tank top from uh, Converge, one of my beloved okay. bands. <laughs> and I sit there and I hear people talking English. And I look up on the other side and sitting in front of me, there was Ray Capo. No way. Yeah. And then it was and like the travel take like uh, 50 minutes to go there, like one hour. And I, I remember just waiting 20 minutes, 30 minutes to say, I have to go talk to him. What am I going to say? So I, I noticed that he was talking with the guy in front of him. And then I just stood up and walked to him. I say, I'm sorry, but... Uh, May I just say that I really, I'm really impressed to to have the chance to meet you in person. And the yeah. guy in front of me wasn't out of the hardcore scene and everything. He didn't know they were just talking because Ray Kappa was is the kind of person that if he sits in a room, he start talking about that, and you, you can't pay attention. You know, like he's there and he got so many energy and enthusiasm. And and the guy said, "Oh, I didn't know you were famous." And everything. The guy said, "No, no, I was singing in a band in." An 90s and everything and it was um yeah long story short it was the fact that you know randomly you see somebody that you know i have to be honest uh, uh i'm not a huge fan of youth of today or shelter i mean i know a couple of songs and everything i know the relation with um Hare krishna and straight edge and everything but it's the idea that you see this person in a documentary about straight edge you see him talking about yoga or spirituality and everything and then it's, it's there five meters mm-hmm. from you and you need to go there and talk to him and um and i think this is so um as you said music uh traveling uh connecting with new people yeah. This is so inspiring for you as a person, for you as an artist, but also you, you, you really, uh, this idea of make it real what always, maybe has been always just a song at, at the radio. And this is, this is them. Yeah. I, I love, I love this kind of experience for sure. Yeah. Touring, touring has always been like most of the, of the, of the like people think of going on tour is uh, like super interesting and for the most part it, it isn't like you, you travel you drive you you sleep a few hours and maybe not very comfortable places and you wait it's just hurry up and wait and uh, at some point you get to the place and you you are there because maybe you have to play a 40 45 or one hour set and the whole 24 hour rolls around that time you're on stage and uh, so to me, my approach is this one, like the, the performance is always central. It comes first. You are there because you have to be there. You have to be there because you have to play a show. You, you, you get to play a show. You're lucky that you can get to play a show. So you have to be ready and prepared and uh, deliver a great performance. And uh, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So when it doesn't, you have to, uh, you know, well, the shit happens and then you go to the next show often, often to do better. Uh, but for the rest of the time, uh, which, as I said, it's sometimes very boring because you, you don't have the chance to go anywhere because you have to be around for sound check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe you have the chance to, to, to meet a little, like a, another band you're playing with. Just go and talk to them. And uh, 
nine times out of 10, I ended up making friends and meeting people that, that gave me something. Like we, we talked for a half an hour, one hour, two hours before the show or right after the show. And I came back home from that tour every time with something more than I had before that tour. So that's, that's the power of, of music and touring. And I, I know some bands that don't really, really like the concept of touring. I know there are some local bands I heard it saying that, oh, no, we don't really care about, you know, taking a show on the road. We just want to make music, which is fine if it's what I want. But on the other hand, I guess I think they're missing out. Yeah. But going on tour is amazing. Mm -hmm. And going back and talk about you, um, your production. I mean, you, you recorded by yourself your your records. Uh, not really. Like I, I go to a studio. Um, almost all my productions as Gabriel La Vega were recorded by Simone Piccinelli, which is a... Uh, great musician and uh, producer, sound engineer. Uh, used to play in a band called uh, Plan de Fuga, a very good Italian rock band. And uh, we met because we used to play, to work in the same place um, a few years ago. Then he went back to opening his own studio and I kept working with him because I loved, I loved his approach. We became friends. And in fact, on, uh, on my last record, it's, a, it's full band arranged. So you have like a drums, bass guitar, and electric guitar. And he, mm -hmm. he recorded like bass guitar and electric guitar. And he plays in the, the full band lineup when I, now I started playing full band shows um, right before COVID, unfortunately. Uh, and he's a great guitarist. So uh, he is the, the mastermind behind all the recordings things, recording things. For example, he knows everything about microphones and uh, how things are supposed to sound. I don't really know anything about the technical parts of recording. So mm -hmm. I relied on other people's experience, yes. which is of course very wise if you don't know how to do that. Um, but yeah, I like, I go there and I don't have anyone to tell me uh, you should do this. You should do that. I like, I produce my own music in terms of I'm the producer of that music. And of course, I rely on uh, I relied on Simone's experience and, and the fact that he's a very good musician and sound engineer. So he, he of course, he helped me out uh, with uh, solutions that might sound better than what what I was thinking. And in fact, I'm glad that he helped me out with that. But yeah, uh, it all starts from uh, from from here, from my mind. And uh, going to the studio means taking the music out of my mind and putting it on record. Hopefully, mm -hmm. yeah, for okay, the, the result, the result is good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely an important topic right now, even after twenty uh, twenty, because it's a lot of musicians that were used to um, live of live music. Uh, then we started thinking, how can I um, improve myself, uh, or like, uh, or I can start as a record something on my own, you know, like yeah. Um, so I think that there was a friend of mine started asking me what kind of microphone uh, I would use some for some records and everything. I told him, you know, like I got some uh, some information and everything. You know, I I, I maybe once did that and that, but uh, in the end, I I gave him the address from another friend of mine who is audio technician. So. You know yeah. better, you know, like this. I think this is also interesting because it is so uh, bounded with the, what we're discussing right now. I mean, as an artist, you for sure know somebody doing that, the other guy doing 
these other specific uh, tasks sure. and everything. So uh, I think that a good advice for everybody out there that are willing to try to do something new, try to record something, just don't, don't, don't panic thinking that, oh my God, now I have to do everything on my own, learn how to use logic uh, or other program and everything. Uh, but also don't forget to ask to your friends or colleague out there yeah. because this is definitely a big help that somebody can, even myself with the podcast, I, I had this idea of I definitely want a good jingle or something that to catch and everything. And I asked for a friend for that, uh, I, even for the logos. I had some ideas, but then I said, you know, I like when it's somebody on a, a third part is coming in because they got another point of view. They bring for sure something uh, fresh. And uh, and I remember I remember asking to Filippo of Sketchy Solution. Uh, you know, I, I really want something for my for my podcast, and then like in ten minutes comes out with the first sketch, and I said, "Oh, this is amazing!" You know, like. But that's so, how it is. Like you, now, you can focus on the content, right? Yeah. Which is what matters to to your podcast. So you don't have to think, "Oh, I have to make a logo, or I have to create a jingle for my podcast." And the same way, I get to go to the studio and worry about singing well, uh, playing well, and yes. making good record. And I don't have to think of all the technicalities behind recording the record. And, and, and also, every time I went to the studio, same thing with touring. Every time I had the studio, when I left the studio, I was, like, I wouldn't say better, but I'm definitely richer as a person and, and as a musician. I mm -hmm. always learned something more. I talked, I learned about even technicalities, like I know something more about microphones, for example, that I didn't know when I started recording that mm -hmm, record. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's again, it's all about connecting with people. And if anyone can help you out with your podcast or your record, go go for that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's that's so important to know. Uh, as I said, this is hard times for everybody, and this is the time when you can try as invest time and to try something new. But as we yeah. said, it's so important to reach out to your colleagues and your friends to advise us, but also to to work in something together because uh, it is also the fun part. I will say it's not a. I think Definitely, that yeah. we forget the reason why somebody you do why you will do something. You know, like oh no, yeah. I, I need to have these records because you have to be perfect and everything. But I think that's is interesting because uh, you will also, as you said, you learn something new, but also you learn how to. Uh, because one thing is playing live, one thing is playing your studio on your own Definitely. or with some friends. And when you record, you you see not where the the mistakes are. I think, uh, but you notice that it sounds maybe different. And and this yeah. is, I have to say, no, I definitely want to do um, that, or I want to change that in that way. So. Um, it can be just, uh, uh, it's challenging, of course, but in a positive way. It's yeah. like uh, the first time I heard my voice recorded, I say, oh, this is how I sound. Like, it's always we're feeling, I know. It's the one of the feeling, but this I is know. it. And um, I said that because I know that a lot of uh, artists out there are so critical with themselves. Um, yeah, yeah, I am. And, and, <laughs> yeah, but this is something, you know, that this is... It, it's the, the classic race against you. You know, it's not yeah. it's nobody as you it's your it's yourself in the end that you look at the mirror. So so it's yeah, something yeah. that I can only um can only give you something more and, and and make you grow up as an artist and as a person, definitely. Yeah. And can, yeah, and, uh, yeah. 
Sorry, I don't want to mention. No, no, no. I, I was just thinking, like you mentioned, like especially nowadays with COVID and everything happening, it might be hard to hit the studio. And as you said, lots of musicians are trying to to do something on their own. And well, with today's technology, it's easier to, you know, you get like a soundboard and a microphone, and you can at least write music and try to record it in a maybe a very basic way but uh, it's still you know you're still creating music and making music and uh, maybe it won't sound perfect at first uh, your first attempt won't sound perfect but after a while you can learn something so it's always about uh, you know you know get there do it and don't don't refrain definitely mm. And how was your feeling doing some video for your music? I mean, because this is also something else, because then people see you. So yeah. that's another approach. It's weird. Like, you have to get used to it, of course. Standing in front of a camera, it's, it's different. But it, every time it was a different experience. Like, for example, like, let's speak about the, the two videos, uh, a few videos I put out for, uh, from Beyond Space and Time, a latest record. Um, like perfect texture, we filmed the, the video in two different locations. So we got the DeLorean, Back to the Future DeLorean in Canada. It's a friend of my cousin's car. Uh, he's a collect, uh, collector and uh, we got it for free. So like everybody's been asking me since then, where did you get a car? Where did you get a car? How much did you pay for a car? The car was like, okay, if you need a car for half a day, it's for free for you because you're uh, Jaden's cousin. And I was like, oh, thank you very okay, much. So we got the do car. It, yeah. Exactly. Of course, that was a dream of mine to have that car because I knew he had it. This guy's name, Kenny, is a great guy. Um, I really wanted to use the car. So we, we got a car. We went to a dead end road in Ber Burlington, Ontario, and uh, we filmed the, the car, the parts with the car. And uh, it was kind of weird because I was following my cousin's instructions and like, okay, now look surprised. Now go to the car and okay, now get in the car. Now you have to sing. And it was doing this and was just doing that. Then we filmed the, the band, the, the band's part, the parts with a band in uh, Montecchiari Brescia at Simone Piccinelli's studio and with another person. And um, I was like, I had an idea of what I wanted the video to look like, but it's always hard to explain what you want it to look like. And as for uh, why was it the other video, another video uh, from from that record, my cousin and I we had this uh, weird idea of uh, telling the story of a musician that was struggling to to maintain to to you know to 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 keep living in a city mm -hmm. like Toronto, which is a massive city and supposedly very expensive. And so we wanted it to the protagonist to be a person that blends in. The population of a big city and tries to fit in and you know still make their own their own music and purchase and you know pursue their dreams and so we we wanted this protagonist to go around and busk in different places which is what I did so all the people you see tossing money in the, in the guitar case they're all actual people they're not uh, actors they never mm -hmm, been paid mm -hmm. their that money is actually their money that they really wanted to give to me as a street performer. At the end of the day, we went to grab coffee with that money. So we didn't really make a, a lot of it. But uh, it was very interesting. It's it's fun because it also gives you like, you have to think, you don't really have to think. I mean, I, I thought of the record, I thought of the music, I thought of everyone wanted to say my records. But then when I came to the videos, I was also had to think, what do I want it to, to look like? What uh, was the, the image they wanted to, to project with this video? And that's a different level, that's a different job from being a musician, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I think that 
YouTube had a huge influence in the last year, right? Definitely. I mean, I noticed that um, I, I want to bring on a practical example, Bring Me the Horizon. Mm-hmm. It's a band that now I really enjoy listening to because I think they found a, definitely an interesting sound. Mm-hmm. Now that I uh, I went through the whole disc- discography, I, I can say, oh, that's interesting, the past the shoes. But if I have to go back and thinking how I uh, got into the band, I would say, no, I don't like them because it was a lot of, of the way you appear, the way you look like, mm-hmm. uh, more than maybe the music itself, honestly. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, it's always tricky because I think it's always good to have this kind of, um, I mean, a video clip can always uh, give something more. Mm-hmm. But uh, it can also be uh, dangerous because people then will remember the images of the uh, or what you put posted and 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 relate that to the song. It yeah. also happened that I I see I see a video and I don't like the song and then I listen to the song um, on my phone uh, and headphones without a video and you like it without a video and you like the song because yeah. of course you are con- you concentrate yourself more on on the music. And on the lyrics, yeah. Uh, but I have to say that um, there are like videos, like um, uh, the Kill Switch Engage song, always, mm-hmm. and it is like a short, like a, sh- a dramatic short movie, and the images fit so good with the music and the lyrics that it always uh, left me um, speechless because it's all so 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 emotional. So I think that, you know, but it's not easy to reach that goal, of course. But yeah, I think that's so so interesting also to see that because, uh, um, as you say, as some artists don't like to tour, uh, Mm -hmm. the same, some some artists don't like to... To to, appear in a video. (laughs) To appear in a video, to to be seen in that way, let's say. Yeah, I I mean... In my case, I find it very, very interesting and funny because in a video, you can be whoever you want. Like, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, like, for example, Gab de la Vega in a video. You can see Gab de la Vega, but Gab de la Vega in that case is doing something different, something else. Like, I've never been an actual uh, Torontonian busker, but I was busking in Toronto. And I've never actually been, like, an actor, I don't know, or... someone who finds a Back to the Future DeLorean and, and drives it, uh, it's just pretending. And so you have to, to, to think, I'm just having fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if maybe the video has to appear as a serious thing, at the end of the day, it has to be funny, entertaining for, for who's watching it and for who's done it. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you didn't have fun doing a video, just don't do it. Just ask someone for a lyric video, don't, don't do it at all. Uh, I, I find it amusing to be honest. Like I love making videos. I, I remember when I was when I was a kid. Uh, some friends of mine they had like cameras that we were always using them to, to be silly and uh, to to play with that. And it was very very interesting. Maybe maybe my my passion for video making <laughs> it started back then. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Gab, before we close this episode, uh, would yep. you say something uh, about uh, your uh, your? Uh, oh, can I say your is your label or I mean, 
talking about epidemic records. What yeah. is it? Can you explain a little bit? Yeah, well, it started around 2004, 2005. Back then I was very young and I wanted to put out my band's first record. And I realized that the music industry didn't really care about a bunch of teenagers playing punk rock. So I thought, well, I'm going to put it out myself. And after I did that, I realized that lots of friends of mine were in pretty much in the same situation. So as I was uh, gaining experience and uh, starting understanding how things work in the DIY and underground music uh, community, I thought, well, I can do this for myself, but I can also do it for my friends. So I started putting out records from other bands that didn't really have uh, any appeal to the to the main uh, music uh, industry. So they were always being considered like underground bands, which is fine. Um, but at some point I also wanted, uh, wanted those bands to be heard because they were actually making very good music. Yes. So I started putting out records, helping bands out, and I realized that as I was doing it, I was also uh, developing connections, making friends, meeting people, and creating a network of uh, like-minded people. And uh, so uh, 15 years later, now I find myself with this thing called Epidemic Records, which is a label that still puts out uh, underground bands, mainly hardcore, punk rock, emo punk, indie rock, or myself. I don't know what I should consider my music. Uh, I don't know, like singer-songwriter, punk rock singer-songwriter, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, now um, I, I've opened this thing, which is basically a press and PR office, which is working pretty well uh, for underground music acts. And uh, for a few years, I've been focusing on a, a mail order for uh, to, to sell records. Mm -hmm. So it was like basically an online shop, which I'm now I'm downsizing because I want to focus mainly on the label and the press office. I want music and music production and music distribution and the chance to, to, to help people meet uh, very good bands and very good music out there central back again in, uh, in the project. Mm -hmm. Oh, so this is uh, definitely a good news because, uh, uh, as I said, this is first episode of 2021. Uh, so I, I really hope that you, you can start going back on the road soon. Uh, as I wish that to a lot of friends out there that I met, I was on the road and I can only wait for that moment. Me too, definitely, I miss it. And uh, and this is also good because uh, um, we need to to stay humble. We need to keep uh, heads up on our on our project because this is this is also the way we are. Like <laughs> I, I can I can I, I I know that I got a lot of passion for a lot of things, but. I get this is one of the things that I see that I can see myself doing, you know, like doing yeah. a podcast or keep also trying to connect people. This is something that I really want to do also in the next year or in this year and the future. Um, so uh, I thank you very much to for your time to be part of this podcast. Thank you very uh, much. Everything for you me. said I, I get, was just uh, so interesting and amazing. I have learned a lot about you. I hope that also the audience gonna gonna uh, receive some inputs, something. I hope so. I, I I encourage everyone to get in touch if they like the episode. I this is my first podcast, so I really hope it was very interesting. Get in touch if you want to keep discussing about something. You can find me anywhere, so it would be nice. 
to yes, of course. Well. I will put uh, uh, in the in the description of the episode all the all the links and email address of the of the uh, for for getting in touch with you because you're an amazing person. And as I said, I wish oh, you all the, I wish you all the best for this uh, new year. And so, uh, I really hope to to also the ch- have the chance to meet you in person again. I mean, we don't that would be nice so far, so it will happen for sure. Uh, until then, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much to be here, Gad. Thank you, Shanti, for having me, and good luck with your podcast and everything. And let's keep in touch. Hopefully, see you in 2021. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Take care. Check this out. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with your friends. And you can also contact me at musictolifowithshanti at gmail.com. Let's close the episode with a Gab de la Vega song titled Phoenix from the Flames from the album Beyond Space and Time, released in January 2020. Someone to play